Well, hello and welcome back to the Saints FC podcast. And uh, I'm absolutely delighted to have my good old friend who I'd nearly forgotten all about um, on the line. It's Tom Parker. Tom, how are you? How the devil are you? How's lockdown? How's the baby? Have you gained weight? Have you lost weight? Um, have you got bored of Zoom calls yet? What what is what's new in your life? What's new in my life? Baby's amazing. That's the most important thing. Uh, yeah, she's that's fantastic. Beatrice, absolutely wonderful. Uh, I think I've gained a little bit of weight. I've definitely gained uh, more hair on my head and in my beard. Um, but I, you know, I'm I'm enjoying it. I think I've had a wonderful time with Beatrice, and I've had a really nice time at home. And yeah, and and you know. I don't think I'll be going into an office anytime soon for months and months and months. So this is it now. I've got to get used to it. And everything's different and football's definitely going to be very different. Yeah, it's it's going to be weird as well. I mean, again, kind of like you, the hair has got a lot longer. Um, the 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 moustache has now been replaced by a full beard. Uh, I was kind of intending of going for a ZZ Top sort of thing, but... Um, basically i did a kind of a work call an all staff presentation and then um on twitter i got compared to um uh, what's the really hairy character out of star wars chewbacca chewbacca yeah 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 um so anyway i I i've now kind of started doing a little bit more grooming but you know we're on our way there and then you know I, I, i was getting some unfavorable comparisons to uh tom hanks character in castaway oh really was that from yeah, your good lady paid. wife? Uh, people, are, my boss. I knew I had a problem with my boss by the day. So I knew I had to take drastic steps. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, also, I guess, kind of since since the last, I suppose, in some ways, the lockdown's been quite convenient for me because I was thinking, kind of, in the build-up, because um, my wife was pregnant back when we last did a podcast like this. I was thinking. Oh, uh, you know, I'm going to want to take some paternity leave from the podcast. How are we going to do that? Is Tom going to be able to record it? We're going to have to draft in someone else. And then, of course, the lockdown happened. And I didn't have to worry about it. And I have I've had loads of paternity <laughs> leave from the podcast anyway. So and how and how are you enjoying it, John? Yeah, good. Um, he slept uh, until five thirty this morning um, last night. Oh so that's, that's the longest sleep we've had. So that was that was pretty amazing. It did kind of mean that we woke up completely dazed and confused. Um, <laughs> Panicking, I imagine, as yeah, well. Yeah, you're kind of like, well, what's just happened? But actually, the, the best thing has been um, my first child is now back at school and not having to try and do homeschooling at the same time as trying to have to do work and help out with the baby and help my wife and all of that. That has definitely made life easier. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of we're in a okay place at the moment, although... I am starting to have to go back into work now, Tom, because I've got to get the university campus ready for students to come in September. So you're going back in, are you, John? Yeah, just just once a week at this point. But all the people who are kind of are essential workers at the university who who have been on campus the whole time, because we've still got some students there. We've we've also rented out rooms to the NHS, so we've got kind of a skeleton crew um, on site, and they they're all kind of in my department. So. Yeah, we're, we're trying to work it out, trying to redo our classrooms and lecture theatres with two metre social distancing, creating kind of outdoor learning spaces and all sorts of fun stuff. Well, John, if anyone can do this, you can <laughs> definitely do this. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a lot to get your head around and it's making me think, you know, about the Premier League and how they can do it. Um, 
and it's interesting because there's there's more government guidance on how you bring back elite sport than there is on how you run <laughs> universities um which obviously you know the student population in the uk is about two million people anyway let's not get into the performance of the government because that could be a, a much longer podcast than we would intend to and probably a much more boring podcast than any of our listeners would care to and, and oh, someone else is probably doing that one aren't they yeah i i think that one's probably out there but just the idea of making a premier league match covid secure as as we're kind of talking about it in the university sector it's weird football is going to be very very weird on you know on friday when saints take the pitch again against norwich city at carrow road it's not going to be the same is it tom well norwich city with a player here tested positive for coronavirus mm. um yeah and then i saw the i saw it today so it's like some sort of nightmarish hellscape isn't it where there's some stuff that's good, so no crowding round and no upfront remonstration of the referee. Good, should have introduced that rule years ago. Like, absolutely brilliant. Then this horrible one of no spitting, you know, kind of get behind that for these elite athletes. And then there's this horrible one of they're going to um, designate a celebration camera. Have you heard about this, John? No. So, you know, footballers obviously, like, I'm looking at Deli Alley here and um, that. The guy who I hate, Jesse Lingard. Jesse Lingard, I can't stand him so much. Um, but you know, they all do their stupid dances, yeah. And uh, now, so in the league, rather than kind of get players to they worry about players congregating when they score, um, so instead they'll delegate like a, a, a celebration camera close to the goal. So if you score, you can go to the celebration camera and kind of celebrate in front of the designated camera. Um, it sounds awful doesn't it yeah i mean that it's kind of the the worst it's it's the worst thing that you can imagine because one of my fears about this kind of new world premier league is that some of the things that are going to make it so cheesy are, are probably almost certainly going to stick and i bet you i bet off. you That's celebration be cam is going to be one of those things you'll never see jesse lingard you know celebrating in front of the fans or the um or, or you know with his with his um teammates ever again he's just going to run over to the tv audience and do his little well orchestrated dance his little fortnight dance yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah i don't know I, I agree with you and i think the, the horrible thing is that you, you know you look at that list of what is it four things um, and you know the things they definitely should stop crowding round and closely remonstrating with a referee. Uh, they definitely won't stop that. <laughs> they yeah. definitely will uh, keep that and also keep a celebration cam, whatever disgusting name they call it. Um, but yeah, you know it's going to be so weird, isn't it? And I think who who knows what it will really be like um it the, the stuff i've seen from germany just appears to look like practice look like sort of pre-season friendlies practice matches yeah um, I, d I definitely agree with you that um so i kind of tuned in for first weekends and um it was borussia dortmund playing and obviously they're famous for the big kind of fan wall and the huge terrace that they have at the end of the pitch and the atmosphere is electric and it was it was just so weird. It was so depressing. I mean, the the standard of play was kind of quite good, apart from the opposition goalkeeper. But I just I couldn't get excited about it, Tom. Did you see Juventus when Christian? Uh, so Juventus played AC Milan the other night, and uh, they had, had um, Juventus got a penalty, and Cristiano Ronaldo hit the inside of the post, and it bounced out. But Juventus or AC Milan, I can't remember where it was, 
played the sound that they're meant to play when someone scores. <laughs> so like it's just all, and then someone got sent off like ten seconds later, which is hilarious. But it's all very weird, isn't it? And I think, um, as a football fan who you know, I won't pretend to go to as many Saints games as many of our listeners, but you do get the feeling that the fans have almost been a bit of an inconvenience to the Premier League and certainly to some of the clubs. Um, and, you know, and the way Saints have treated the home fans over the years, both in sort of how they've played and in terms of season ticket prices and that the worst two words in, in Southampton football, which is the match day experience, um, you know, it's peeved off a lot of people. And I think the irony is, is that football without fans in the stadium is actually going to come across pretty boring, isn't it? Particularly now in a league where, let's face it, it's a cakewalk, isn't it? So who's going to win it? Yeah, I mean the the competition's already over. I, I guess the only really interesting parts are kind of who's going to get relegated, who's going to get into Europe. Um, Saints will probably manage to avoid both of those, or at least I certainly hope they avoid the relegation battle. <clears throat> and it is funny about this kind of like the piped in fan noise and the other thing is the digital fan wall so Tom I don't know if you've submitted a photograph of yourself I didn't get around to doing this I, sh- I should have done it and I'm kind of annoyed I, yeah. I should have done one for Beatrice I mean I took my inspiration from Stuart Armstrong and his missus celebrating I think it was his birthday oh. with a glass of champagne in their dressing gowns and uh, yeah I found what a, a what a man I, don't, I mean he looks like he's living his best life doesn't he I mean, if that was my, I mean, obviously I choose not as carefully here, but if that was your girlfriend, you'd also be living your best life in, in, you know, living in Winchester, yeah, you know, being a professional footballer, yeah. looking like Stuart Armstrong. But, but also playing like Stuart Armstrong because, yeah, I mean, the last live game that I got to go to, and God knows how long it'll be before I get to go to another live game, was the Saints game at home to Aston Villa where I got, you know, the, the pleasure of seeing Stuart Armstrong's really quite wonderful 95th minute goal against Villa to, to kind of wrap up the points for us. Um, and it it looks like, and then this is obviously you know, massive, massive caveats, but it looks like he's kind of managed to maintain some form during the lockdown because he got two goals against um, yeah. Bristol City. I mean, he got it, all, all the business well. done, I think, within about six minutes of the game starting. Yeah. Um, there was another 129 minutes left of the most bizarre game of football ever spread over three halves of 45 minutes. I know that doesn't make any sense. Um, <clears throat> um, but, you know, that's very strange. And then I suppose, you know, other strange things that we're going to see. I don't think we're going to see any other 135 minute long football games, but the five substitutions rule. But you still have to make your substitutions in three chunks. Have you picked up that one time? Oh, is that, I didn't. I didn't realise it had been three chunks. So, essentially, if you are somehow beating Man City or Liverpool, they can throw on three forwards. In the, I guess, in one go, as well as having two other subs. Yeah, I think kind of th- this is the idea, just to make sure that the the haves, you know, the the bigger teams have even more of a chance. Yeah, against we the can't have teams. anything about them not having a chance. We I mean, have to think about what it's all about, John. Um, and, and actually, the funny thing is, is, is I think, um, and I, I haven't corroborated this with evidence or checked all the facts, <laughs> but it certainly looks, and anecdotally it seems, that the kind of teams that you would expect to win a fixture are winning the fixtures. Say, 
the better teams tend to to win, which uh, happens normally anyway, but you're seeing less kind of upsets, which I can understand without the fans. You, you know when sometimes as a fan base you feel like you can get on the opposition players and, and you can create the atmosphere that boosts your players, especially when you have a really good away following. Um, you can kind of really kind of spike up an atmosphere, I suppose. And I think what what they found in Germany is that the bigger teams tend to be just winning as you'd expect or kind of as you'd expect if you take football down to its you know without all of the extra stuff and excitement around it and just to say this player is faster than that player so that player is going to win the ball nine times out of ten and that's kind of what's happening so then to have the five substitutions as well I think we're probably going to see the bigger wins bigger teams stretching the league out rather than bunching up in the middle but what is that? I mean, what I mean, what does this? Because obviously, that could mean a lot. What does this mean for Saints? Because we've got a not small squad. We've probably got quite a few attacking players. You can argue about the quality. Um, and you know, if we look at the games we've got, um, we we've got some tough ones, but we've also got some eminently winnable games in our seven games left. Um, I think it's, I think it's you know, nine nine games we've got left, Tom. Nine games, sorry, you're right, yeah. Nine games we've got left. I mean, I'd argue that six of those are winnable. Right, should, should we go through them quickly? Just just to set go some on. context for the listeners and, and not just for the podcast participants. <laughs> um, so, Tom, we're starting off against Norwich City, away. We are, at Carrow Road. Yeah. Um, Friday night. So... Norwich beat Spurs in a friendly, but they have also lost a player to the coronavirus. Um, I was kind of my first thought when they lost a player to coronavirus was, oh my gosh, the whole team are going to have to be kind of distancing or isolating. But of course, it's not the case, is it? Because they test all the players regularly. So when that one week, yeah, exactly. So when one player got a positive, all the other players would have got a negative. So they immediately know that they're not infected anyway. So. I think it's just going to affect the one, the one Norwich player. So, not expecting. John, who would you like it to be? Obviously, we don't want anyone to get seriously hurt. Uh, but <laughs> this is football. So, well, who would we like? Who would you like out of that Norwich team? So, hypothetically speaking, and not knowing any of their underlying medical con- conditions, and hoping for a, you know a speedy recovery, full recovery, yep. and all of that, as long as all it's of those after caveats. Saturday, yeah, after Friday, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess Pookie probably. I mean Cantwell, mm. maybe. But Bondier is the the troublemaker, isn't yeah, he? He's the he, one he, that creates everything. He is, but he's kind. Of, he's kind of one of those players where actually I think that Saints are quite good at controlling. Do you know what I mean? Oh, God, Whereas don't I say think that, John. <laughs> famous yeah, last that, words, but you know yeah. what I mean. I think like Pukey and um, Cantwell, they're more explosive. More explosive. They're less easy to predict. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, you know, if you bring the as, as a midfielder, you could probably hope that between sort of Armstrong, Warprowse and Hoiberg, um, they would kind of sort him out. Yeah, um, exactly. Whereas you know that as improved as the form of Bednarek and Stevens is, uh, they're gonna they're gonna struggle as they did when we played Norwich earlier this season against a big lump like Pookie. Mm. That, that, that's and Cantwell is just one of those irritating players like Tom Davis that seems just to play well against us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got that kind of sort of flair and you know, magic that he turns on every now and then. 
Um, so it's the next game after that is Arsenal at home. And it's a bit like a Europa League week, that, because we've got Arsenal on the Thursday and then Watford on the Sunday. So those are yeah, our first three fixtures. Interesting games. Yeah, I mean, I think, really? like, ideally, what you want Saints to do <clears throat> is get the relegation race done. Over. Over and quickly. And you want us to get, you know, ideally four points from those first two fixtures. Yeah, I, th- I think that yeah, they might struggle against... Well, they should beat Norwich. Should mm. They really, I mean, they're, they're a better team than Norwich. And you imagine that the home crowd would have been a big bonus to Norwich. I, I was reading before they, they all agreed to come back, apparently one of the sort of problems they were having was that a lot of the, you know, I hate to say it, like smaller clubs, probably, you know, Saints, or Saints probably not because our home club's awful, but your Norwiches and your Brightons are saying, well, actually, you know, if you play games at Newtown, which is what they're talking about at the time, um, yeah, that really disadvantages us because our home, you know, our home grounds, our home support is important to us. Obviously, there is no home support now. So, kind of, we're just going to go into a very flat carrot road. And, and we'll probably, in my, my experience, no, not um, some areas that might be a little bit more positive than no. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, it's it's going to be it is going to be weird. I think um, I'm like trying to kind of work out whether there is still a home advantage or not. I think there must be because you know the dimensions of the pitch and everything. Yeah, but there is that, and also just the familiarity of your changing room. You not travelled the night before. Um, so yeah, I think that of those three games, I, I you know. If Saints could get this is massive, I think seven points. Um, that should sort of, that should be the end of the relegation battle, shouldn't it? Because we're already seven points ahead. Yeah, um, I th- I actually think you know even all we probably need is another four points. Is that controversial? We're on thirty four, thirty eight. I reckon will be enough. I mean, that'd be pretty. Every towards the end of the season. I mean, it would be a very Saints thing, wouldn't it, to still get relegated? <laughs> yeah, let's... Very, very Southampton. Um, but yeah, the fixtures are, are interesting because after that, John, there are some hard games. I mean, Arsenal at home is not going to be a, a walk in the park, is it? But then, you know, we should have taken three points at um, at the Emirates earlier this season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Then what? So after that, it gets a little bit more tricky. So we have Manchester City at home, which I don't anticipate we'll get anything from. We've got Everton away, which I think, yeah, who knows. Then we've got Manchester United away. Um, Then we finish with Brighton at home, Bournemouth away, Sheffield United at home. And and that's kind of why I'd like us to get it done in those first three games. You know, the Norwich, Arsenal, Watford. It would be really good if we pick up some points there because I think Man City, Everton, Manchester United could be a pretty tough run. And then we don't yeah. really want to be playing Brighton, Bournemouth if they're desperately trying to survive. But we're kind of a little bit more comfortable. And then Sheffield United, and, who could potentially be going for... Yeah, I mean, they could be going for Champions League or Europa League positions, Sheffield United, so they could be quite fired up as well. So that, I think yeah. kind of the, this opportunity, you know, at the, 
those first three fixtures, I think, are the most important ones. Yeah, I mean, it will be fascinating because um, obviously you've got to worry about the players' fitness. You've got two Saints' fitness is crucial to the sort of the hard press, and um, you've got to hope that it's not too impacted, you know, in terms of the fitness. But also, you wonder with a, a, a manager that has such a defined system that seems to rely so much on um, on, on the sort of pressing the right areas and the right things at the right time that it's extra time that perhaps the players might see a net benefit of things. Yeah, I, I, was, I was wondering yeah, this because, because when we came back from that international break um, in November, we definitely came back stronger, didn't we? So that, I think the first game was... That, well, that was the beginning uh, that was the beginning, wasn't it, of the, the fight back? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, we, we had we had a well, we got six victories out of about ten games, I think, after after that international mm-hmm. break. But then this break has been a little bit different because it's not like he's been able to work with the players all that much. You know, since the, it wasn't that long ago that players started returning to training, and and it seems that um, Ralph Hasenhutl's written a book during lockdown, a kind of guidebook yeah. for how Southampton should play from the academy upwards. So he, he's certainly been busy, but I don't know how much time he's had with the players. But but you'd you'd hope that he, you know, he would have had an opportunity to impress upon them even more, you know, the, the style that he wants. And, you know, hopefully that will be a good thing because our form going into lockdown was dreadful, Tom. Do you remember? Yeah, it was. I mean, I was at the Newcastle. Well, yeah, I was at the Newcastle game, um, and it was it was terrible. I mean, they look. Saints never really were in it. I, I, I sort of flattered to the Steve a bit, and um, obviously, then we just didn't recover from being sent off. Um, we just couldn't get over that. Like twenty six minutes into the game, was it? I think twenty three minutes into the game, um, and I think there was a sense of kind of outrage amongst the fans because it didn't look much but it, when you actually saw it back it was a really nasty challenge and obviously that means moving out for just the one game or three games I can't, I can't work it out um, but yeah no it, it, it was really poor and I think um, you know we just we didn't look really at the races Alex McCarthy looked pretty good um, yeah we and we, you know we were just outdone by the one sort of really talented player in Newcastle had the one player that you have to really keep an eye on um, was uh, Alan Sam Maximilian and we fell asleep you know with a long ball over the top and we, we fell asleep and you know it was horrible it was, it was a really horrible game to be honest for Saints fans it's just you know you see one of your leading lights get suspended everyone looks kind of rubbish and fed up and you lose one nil to a team like Newcastle yeah, I mean, that, not great, is it, to kind of think about that? And this is kind of like part of our, you know, do you remember football? Do you remember what we used to be like? And the game before that was the game against West Ham as well, which, again, was a dreadful demonstration of not being able to deal with a, a big man at the top. So, Yeah, um, and, and Norwich have got that. Uh, and, and everyone's got that in some form. Apart um, from Saints. But yeah, it was a terrible, apart from Saints. <laughs> Uh, but it was a terrible run we were on, a weird run. 
Yeah, and it's weird because they do the hard stuff, don't they, Shane? They do the hard stuff. And then they come up against, you know, Newcastle at home or Burnley at home or West Ham away and they just come totally unstuck. Very strange. Like, the lack of consistency is absolutely insane. And, and Tom, um, do you reckon that there's some sort of exercise that Ralph would have had Bednarek and Jack Stevens doing during lockdown? Do you think he like sent them some sort of device where they could just practice heading back, you know, long balls or kind of trotting backwards and watching a? And a how, how do you practice for that sort of stuff when you're kind of cooped up at home? Yeah, but you know, international Premier League, Premier League footballers on. You know what, 40, 50 grand a week have to do, but get trained to get the basics right. I mean, with Valerie, the, the thing he did against Alan, like, you know, he knows, he must know, he must train all week and know that that's, like, that's your guy. You know, he's going to play on the, he's going to play on your shoulder. That's your guy. And he just was totally shell shocked by it. I mean, I, I was listening to Carl Anker on the Athletics podcast. Um, they're, they're doing a series on each. Have you listened to that? That James John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his point was that you know maybe Ralph might be able to shout to get clearer instructions to the players. Um, what, but with, yeah, without the din of St Mary's, without without the crowd, yeah, um, yeah. So it, it's very tricky, isn't it? I, I, yeah, I don't know. They just look really poor, really, really poor against Newcastle. Um, hopefully, they won't carry that into the next. Uh, the next round of games, they just simply can't because they're not safe. Not no. by any means. Um, and I, th- I think form does go out the window, doesn't it? Because you know, Arsenal in good form, Manchester United in good form, they're, they're two teams that we've got to play. Norwich, obviously, not in great form because they're you know, right at the uh, at the bottom of the table. Um, so you know, all, all of that goes out the window, and in theory, a manager with a good you know, clear playing instructions, a team that's able to execute those and good fit players should be able to, you know, the, the better team should win, I think, in these situa- in these yeah. circumstances. Um, and I suppose to kind of take that, the positive side of things, you know, obviously we can chuck our bad form out the window and hopefully hit the ground running. Um, but also, I think we've got Nathan Redman back, Tom, which yeah, I think... It's is the a difference, isn't it? He's the one player we've got that can do something really extraordinary I think um, yeah and we missed him against, I mean we missed him against Newcastle so yeah he's back I'm looking at the squad here Sam McQueen do you remember Sam McQueen? yeah God. But yeah I mean I think the problem we've got as well is you know we are weak aren't we at, we're weak at centre back um, and we still don't have a right back I mean John I don't know what you think about Carl Walker-Peters but he doesn't in a in a defensively weak team. I'm not sure, you know, with with centre backs that are prone to the odd error. Um, I'm not sure Carl Walker Peters is the right back you want. Um, I I've got to be honest, Tom. I don't know enough about Carl Walker Peters to actually tell you whether he is decent enough or not. I just I literally have no idea. Um, I can see that, but that we're not going to. Quite shell shocked against Burnley, didn't he? Though. Yeah. He hasn't played. He hasn't played Burnley, much football, Burnley. though, has he? Like career-wise, true, true. He's not played no, much football. It's, there's some a fascinating stat about him, isn't it? That he's like 22 years old and he's only ever played, including 
like Premier League two games for Tottenham. He's only ever played like forty games of football. Yeah, something ridiculous. He's just not very experienced at all. Yeah, so I, I guess kind of with Carl Walter Pe- Carl Walker Peters, you've probably got a twenty-two-year-old that is a bit more like putting a seventeen or an eighteen-year-old into yeah. the squad. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I think it will be really. I mean, you know, share them. This is an opportunity for shares, isn't it? To to, to crack on. Um, yeah, it's just so weird, John. It doesn't feel real, does it? No, it, I wonder if it will. You know, on Friday when we give away a <laughs> a lead against Norwich and suddenly it all come flooding back, we'll remember what it feels like to be a to be a Southampton yeah. fan. Uh, the, the other thing I, is, I love the um. It's like the goal of Bristol City scored again as well, where we couldn't defend the ball and someone lashed it home. I was like, classic. Same. But, but yeah, it's right. We haven't, we haven't worked on that in the time off, that's for sure. No. Um, but let's, you know, let's focus on another positive. Um, Will Smallbone. Oh, yeah. Where's he going to fit? I mean, he looks good, doesn't he? I, I feel sorry for him because he shouldn't really have played against West Ham, should he? No. And he got monstered in that game. And you just hope he's not like Jake. Um, what, is it, who was the one that everyone loved? Did Jake Hesketh? Yeah, Jake Hesketh, yeah. That everyone thought was going to be the, the bee's knees. And um, was it Pochettino? Well, Koeman played him in a game away at, I think it was away at Burnley, wasn't it? Mm. And he and got monstered, just, didn't he? He just got beasted off the park and he's just never been seen again for mm. Um I hope that don't, don't have happen. I mean, Smallbone does seem... I mean, his assist and his sort of intricate build-up play for that very nice Joe Armstrong goal was a delight to see. Um, and it, uh, where does he where does he fit in? I guess is the question, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, maybe the right back answer is James Ward Prowse, and Will Smallbone goes into midfield. Um, obviously, we we pretty much know that Pierre Mel Hoyberg's going to be off at the end of the season as well. Yeah. So I guess having options in midfield is a is a good thing. Um, but, you know, he was on from the start, and I imagine that first 11 that Ralph played in the first 45 minutes is going to be the one that he's likely to be starting with against Norwich. So, so who is that? So, so that's McCarthy, Bertrand, Benderek, Stevens, Ward Prowse. Uh, let me get up the... Tom, I, you know, you, you've thrown, thrown us under the bus there because I need to get up. To <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to get the uh, the info up for that one. Um, but Ogafemi was in that team, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting. Um, yeah. Um, obviously, Danny Ings, Joe Armstrong. Um, what's... Um, Trying to find out here was uh, was Pierre Emile starting. Um, so here we go for the first forty-five: McCarthy, Danso, Vestergaard, Bertrand, Hoiberg, Ward, Prowse, Smallbone, Armstrong, Redmond, Ings. Obif- right, I've totally changed my mind. He's clearly not starting with that. I mean, I hope he doesn't start with Danso because um, as nice a guy as he looks, he does look out of depth at this level mm. at the moment. Um, yeah, Vestergaard again. I mean, you, you could imagine Stevens coming in for Vestergaard. Um, uh, Bertrand obviously coming out left back. Probably, yeah, you're at Ward Prowse, dropping to right back. Yeah. And then um, 
I don't know, but may, maybe that is going to be the starting lineup. I mean, it would surprise me to have Danso and Vestergaard starting in the sense back pairing. <laughs> you know, who isn't knows? That, isn't that like the worst thing you could possibly imagine? Danso and Vestergaard together. Yeah, I mean, they also started the second 45. And then we saw Stevens and Bednarek together with Valerie and Walker Peters. I mean, I don't, I, I'm, I'm out. I mean, I think there's part of me thinks play players in their position, but I do think after the nightmare that Valerie had against Newcastle, um, and obviously there's all sorts of things that's being said about Valerie. You don't know where his head's at. Um, and obviously was very, very ill with glandular fever. And that could take months and months and months to get back from. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. Tom, here's a name. Right. Have you heard of Jankovic? Now, he played, didn't he? He did. In this game, or did he? he and who is he? Because I, I, I like to think I know a bit about... Um, stuff but I don't know who Yankovic is and I remember seeing it I was like you know when it's like in a pre-season friendly when you see a trialist come in you're like it's really exciting um that third team had some real sort of wild guns didn't it with Teller in it as well so who, so who is Yankovic tell me say so, born in Switzerland on Christmas day 2001 oh is this the is he the mustard one that we signed a, a year or two ago and everyone's very excited right? well he's only only 18 years old um, I think we did sign him two years ago. Um, he's played uh, at every level for the Swede, uh, uh, Switzerland um, since the under-16s to up through to under-19s. Um, and we signed him for £1.62 million, apparently, from Servette, under-18 side. And I think, I don't know, he's he's played 12 games yeah. in the I Premier mean, League too. That 18, I mean, that is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he, I, he, I, I don't know. We, we're also not talking at all about Romeo. And obviously, if we want someone to get the foul and get a yellow card, you need to have Romeo in the Yeah, Romeo also was in that last 45 minutes, um, as was Buffal, Che Adams, um, Teller, we've not seen much of. Yeah. So, yeah, Tom, I mean. I, I, it's so hard to predict, isn't it? But I, I guess kind of with the five substitutes, maybe Ralph Hasenhutl has kind of spread his his view of the squad a little bit more because it feels mm. like he had kind of quite a small, tight group of players, but perhaps he's starting to look a little bit wider thinking about those extra players that, that you're going to have on the bench and you could potentially use. I, I, I think we've got um, a lot of players that need a good game, don't they? I mean, if I look at um, it sort of seems to divide the Saints fans, doesn't it? Like in, in like cleave them in two. Some people think he's like a Diego Maradona genius. Other people like me think he's a show pony that has no end product. Where do you stand on that, John? <coughs> I guess somewhere in the middle, probably sitting on the fence. Like I, he clearly has buckets of talent, um, and he sometimes puts a shift in. I think he's so unused to putting a shift in. I, I imagine he probably cruised through youth teams and early career just through talent alone and never really had to 
you know, fight, work hard. Do, do, do you see what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah, you're probably right. Which, which is odd because I think Ralph Hasenhutl is very much a, you're going to work really hard. And we've seen a little bit of that from Buffal this season. So, you know, it's whether he can do both at the same time. Because if he can work really hard, win the ball back, and then also just turn on the magic, which he clearly has within him, but actually put it to some use, then, um, yeah, I, I'd like him to be more than just that goal against West Brom. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I just, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. For me, he just, he just drives me absolutely mad. I remember that the Arsenal game we went to earlier this season, John, and, you know, just has their chances towards the end, doesn't he? And you just like, put the ball in the stuff in there and he doesn't, I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe maybe he'll have his chance for redemption next Thursday. Yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be fun. It's going to be so weird. It doesn't quite feel real. I mean, I was actually in favour of them just stopping the season and just starting again next season. Yeah, I thought that should be easier. I um, mean, it's definitely easy to say that when you're out of the relegation position. <laughs> I'm sure Norwich will have a thing or two to say about it. Yeah. Um, and, and Liverpool but yeah I, I just think it's so weird I, th- I think you're going to see a lot of very strange things it's going to be a bit um, like a sort of weird tour you know like just not, not you know very muted celebration it's all going to feel a bit flat isn't it yeah I mean th- do we know if they're going to be piping in audio for the, the games at St Mary's I, th- I don't know if they said yeah I think they've been quite I mean, how, sure how, how would how would you capture that audience? Because you know, Saint Mary sometimes <laughs> can be brilliant. Sometimes, Tom, it can be pretty dire. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, do, I, do you think the, the DJ is going to be there? The grown son. He's going to have a mix yeah. of all these different things, and it'd be like, you know, Pierre Moy, uh, Emil Hoiberg makes a sideways pass, and then you just like that yeah. bloke from he the chapel back, shouting, the "Why are you passing it there, you idiot?" You know, press that button, just, come up, just score a goal. I don't understand why. Why are they not scored? Come on, Mush. Oh, I think they're trying. Yeah. I think they're trying. But yeah, I, it does. I, I don't know. I think it, I, I wonder if it could be a net positive for Saints, to be honest, without the crowd, which is a horrible thing to say. Um, but you do wonder if it could be a net positive because our home record is just so poor, isn't it? Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about this because I, I think it's kind of hard to... I don't think I could possibly blame the fans for Southampton's home fault, but... There is definitely an argument for it because the way that we like to play football, you kind of almost, like Ralph Hasenhüttl's perfect game is the opposition have more of the ball than you. You press, you win the ball and you try and hit them in, you know, a few seconds after that changeover of possession. And when teams come to St. Mary's, they tend to sit deeper, play slightly more kind of relaxed, more possession, you know, they, they, they don't, you know, they, they don't kind of like attack us. And that has always been a problem, f- you know, under Ralph Hassenhutel, I think, for our home form. So it'd be interesting without, you know, are teams still going to set up differently when they go away from home in this situation? Yeah, do they need to? I mean, it's interesting because you imagine like someone like Old Trafford, all of a sudden just becomes a little bit less intimidating, doesn't it? Yeah. Um. And you wonder if and they if might get fewer decisions as well without, you know. Yeah. 
And also, if, if, if grounds weren't intimidating, like, I think you'd argue St Mary's is probably not an intimidating ground. Um, certainly not in the way that Dell was. You know, therefore, states don't really lose an advantage. Whereas, um, yeah, if you are a, like a West Ham, actually, no, West Ham, I don't know, older Ham, but I don't know. If you are like a, a, you know, we have a smaller ground, older ground, like a Norwich, so, or, you know, that is, a, that is an advantage you can gain that you no longer have. Yeah. Who knows, John? Who knows what, what mystery I mean, I mean, this up. is the but thing, Tom, isn't it? On Wednesday. We, we try and do this podcast to kind of provide some answers and some thought for, <laughs> for our listeners. I feel like this episode, we've just gone through and gone, yeah, don't know, don't know. Don't know. <laughs> don't know. Um, I think we're all a bit baffled here, Tom. I mean, listeners, you, you know how to get in contact with us. It'd be lovely to hear from you again. It has been a little little while since we did hear from you. Saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com and obviously at Podcast on Twitter. But we'd love to hear your thoughts you know, following the game against Norwich, what your expectations mm. are for the games against Arsenal and the games against Watford. Um, if you want us to kind of comment on some of the other things. I mean, th- th- there's been so many different things. I was trying to remember football before we played this, before we started recording this, and I was thinking, uh, I think the last game of football I watched before the lockdown was probably Liverpool losing to Atletico Madrid on the telly. Okay. Um, that was a good game. Yeah, that was a really exciting game. And I remember at that point, everyone's like, oh, should this be happening? And then then was it Mikel Arteta tested positive for the coronavirus? And then yeah. suddenly they were cancelling games. And, and the Premier League effectively went into lockdown before the rest of the country, didn't it? Because yeah. they, they decided yeah. to stop playing fixtures before... March the 23rd or whenever it was when we entered the lockdown and, and there were still things like the Cheltenham races going on as well. Yeah. Well, that, well, that game I went to, the Newcastle game was on the 7th of March. Um, it does kind of seem nuts that they got 32,000 people in the same space, 3,000 of which then went up to the north of Newcastle. Yeah. Again, yeah, it does seem kind of insane. But then there's a Cheltenham on court minutes as well, so who knows? I, I think um, my brother commented that he thought that he'd never seen such a big queue for the wash basins at St. Mary's. um, ladies who listen to the podcast I'm very sorry but normally in times before pandemics a lot of men never washed their hands when they went for a week you're telling all our man secrets here you know get us all in trouble so yeah I don't know are you you watching or do you watch on Friday John yeah I'm definitely going to watch yeah yeah no question Um, on Sky isn't it so you got Sky well now TV it's free yeah, yeah. Now, now TV is the way to go. Um, there are obviously other illegal ways of <laughs> watching football, oh, which we certainly would not condone. Definitely um, not. Make sure you give your money to Rupert Murdoch. He thoroughly deserves it. Um, and yeah, so, I, 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 yeah. And I think all of the Saints, the first three Saints games are on the free Sky They are. stuff. Yeah. So I don't think you have to Wait, pay for it. They're on now TV, yeah. Yes. No, you don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, so if we're going to be positive, let's be, let's be positive, you know, four-year deal for Ralph. Yeah. I, um, are you excited about that, Tom? Are you excited? Do you have some trepidation? Yeah, I love Ralph. I, well, I love Ralph and also, like, he drives me mad because I think he's so good at his job. He's clearly really job, really good at his job, but he just um, he does drive you a bit mad, doesn't he, with some of the decisions like the small bone against West Ham or... You know, 
or the feed. I don't know if it's him or the players, but no, but overall, I love Ralph. I think he's the best thing to happen to Saints, probably since Cumin. It's not a lot of contentious things to say. And I think the players clearly play for him. Um, and I think it's a great redemption story, isn't it? And football loves a story. And, and Ralph coming back from that game in October to then get a four-year deal, uh, what, like eight months later, is a great redemption story. Um and yeah, and I think also you just have to be realistic and pragmatic, don't you? I mean, like, Saints are never going to get, and are not going to get another manager like Ralph, are they? Right now, you know, no. you're going to end up with one of the usual suspects. So, after some of the draws they've had, you know, Hughes, Pellegrino, um, you've got to be grateful for someone like Ralph. Also, the passion, and you know, you know, at least he cares, doesn't he? This is like huge. You just felt he was phoning it in, didn't you? Like, give me my paycheck. Yeah, I mean, um, if if one person's going to manage to bring some atmosphere to St Mary's, do you think it's going to be Ralph? Are we going to hear his his kind of cheering and shouting from the from the sidelines? Because he certainly gets involved, doesn't he? And I think that is you know, one of the most refreshing things. Is or you know, as a fan watching it, is we haven't had that. I mean, I don't know if Pellegrino ever had cause for celebration in the entire time that he was a Southampton manager. And, and the well, only he time kind of I, I gave up, think. didn't he? Pellegrin. I felt, you know, it was like he gave up. Whereas Ralph, you get the feeling he just digs in harder. Mm. Shall I play devil's advocate here? The only problem I can see with Ralph, I think, is maybe he's too one dimensional. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, we're gonna I agree. Have, he's going to have to learn to have a plan B and a plan C because. Yeah, I, th- I think we've seen it before, haven't we? Um, a team comes up, they have a new way of playing and then other teams get used to it and then suddenly that advantage that you've had over everyone diminishes. Uh, and also, I think <coughs> we've not really seen that full advantage from the kind of like Ralph way of playing yet either. So I, I don't think... It's weird. I don't think we've seen full Ralph ball yet. I think it, there's still some... I think there's more to come. But I also think he needs a plan B. He needs to figure out a way how he can play against those kind of big, muscular, more direct yeah. sides. I mean, it'll be interesting with, with Norwich in particular because Norwich, for their despite their league position, they have not given. I admire them greatly because they've not given up their way of playing. They do try and play football, don't they? And they keep. I remember when they were two 0 down against Saints. Um, which was one of the games of sort of, I think about sort of six or ten wins you were talking about earlier, John. Yeah, it was clear that Norwich, they were like, no, we've got a way of playing. We're just going to keep doing it. And I, I do admire that. Um, so, But you'd hope also that kind of plays into Ralph's hands a little bit because they're less prone to go route one, which obviously is where we struggle. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Norwich are a team that are well suited for our style of play because I think they do try to play f- football in those kind of air inverted comma sort of marks um, <clears throat> much more so than a team like West Ham or Burnley or Newcastle who we you know, suffer against but all three of those teams will be in the Premier League next season probably and we can't just write off six fixtures like that at all so you know that that is definitely where, where we need that plan B we need to stop losing, you know, both games in a season to teams like Newcastle and Burnley, don't we? Yeah. It's insane. 
Um, but that is just every season, you know, we're not getting any points in those games. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, there are positives. I mean, I think it's a shame that um, Nepo is uh, is injured, uh, is trying to suspend it, but there are other positives. And, and, you know, I think we might see a sort of couple of young players come off, like you say, like Dankovic, you might see uh, Nathan Teller yeah. get a run out, small bone, get more of a place, you know, and that's. And I would have been yeah. more worried about Gineppo being out without Redmond being back because I think the True. magic that yeah. Gineppo has, Redmond also has that that sort of ability. Yeah. Um, I, I think Red, Redmond, Long and Ings is a great front three mm. for Saints. A really great front three. And that's who I imagine will you'll see start against, uh, against Norwich on Friday. Oh, you know what? The more I talk about it, I'm getting excited now. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good talk. Yeah. Let's build up this excitement. Uh, Shane Long, yeah. another two years. Are you excited about that as well? Yeah, I love Shane Long. He's great. He's, I mean, he's just a so. And also, you can imagine with Shane Long, like someone like Danny Ings goes, like when he sees that he's playing with Shane Long, it's like I can I can score today. Yeah, yeah, I can score because I've got this bloke who is going to do everything he could possibly do in his power to give me a chance. Um, yeah, bloody love. I I think it's a great bit of business for Shane. I really do. I think he's got his critics, but I think. It's quite an old-fashioned thing to criticise Shane Long, and I, I, I don't want to be insulting to people who don't rate Shane Long, but I think it's almost like it's up to you to be the forward. He must score goals. Mm. And I don't think that's his thing, is it? The game is slightly different now, and I think a player like Shane Long can thrive because the game is more nuanced than that. Yeah. And he is a player that brings so much to the, to the team in terms of work rate, commitment, and just being a general nightmare. I, th- I think if you go down to St Mary's and speak to the fans that are going to the games regularly, I don't think you'll find many that are anti-Shane Long, as it were. So I think if, if you're kind of going, you watch him for a full 90 minutes, I think you can see the value of what he does. Not that he o- often actually plays the full 90 minutes, but you know, w- when you see him in person, you can see all the off-the-ball and off-the-camera stuff that he does. He yeah. does really well. He causes nightmare for defences. And, you know, I think if you look at that Arsenal game after Norwich, he's the kind of player that Arsenal don't like playing against. You know, he, he's yeah. the kind of player that causes trouble. And I actually think the teams like Norwich and Watford are probably more equipped with dealing with players like Shane Long, although not within the first seven seconds of games, if you remember from <laughs> last season, Watford. Yeah, you're right, yeah. Wonder if he can be that. I don't know. I mean, like, if you look at those first two games, they're actually a pretty soft first three games, aren't they? What um, Norwich, Arsenal, Watford? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I still don't really know what Arteta's Arsenal are yet, but I imagine they're going to be better. But then well, we'll we've see. got unfinished business with them from that yeah. game earlier this yeah, season, absolutely, um, which was a real kicker, real, real kick in the teeth. But I think. There's that, and I think, you know, Watford will be fascinating because obviously they were gunning such a head of steam and whether Pearson can bring that back. And obviously you've got players like Troy Dini, I think he said he won't play. Yeah, I think he's got oh, a young oh child who's um yeah not very breathing. well. Yeah. So, you know, fair enough, really. But that's great for Saints, isn't it? Because Troy Dini is exactly the sort of player that we struggle against. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the weird thing about this situation, isn't it? When you're ruling players out because of a family kind of health problem, but it's, it's, it's the world that we're in now, isn't it? You know, 
it's, well, it's, it's realistic. I mean, he said he doesn't want to play. Yeah, I mean, which I can totally understand. You know, I think if, if uh, you know, if the government was advised that I should be shielding members of my household, I'm not going to want to go and run around. You know, and play a physical contact sport. And and you look at Troy Deeney's game as well, and he's all about harassing defenders yeah, and goalkeepers and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. You know, I, I totally understand his decision, but you're right. You know, the the other side of that is that that will be an advantage for Saints. Yeah, I th- who knows? I mean, I think if we we're going to hit the ground running against Norwich and maybe get something from Arsenal, you'd hope that that would be you know then that would hopefully see them through because I think mm. you're exactly right. It's a sort of good run of first three games, difficult middle three, and then the last three run, which is okay but teams you actually don't really want to be playing because they'll be scrapping yeah hard for, for you know two for relegation and hopefully we won't yeah so tom what, what, i think what, what i would love to ralph is even if we even if we do don't do what we did last season where we took us off the gas during last about bournemouth game yeah that was, that i mean bad. don't do that Ralph. it would be nice to see us you know get the points, get the business done early and then actually kick on. You know, not take the foot off the gas, but really kind of try and use the rest of the season for really implementing Ralph Ball and, and that sort of style and yeah. everything. Yeah, it's something like, you know, because they play well, they could finish, what, like 11th, 10th? Yeah, I guess kind of in theory. Um, which would represent a, a magnificent file. Considering mm. where we were. So, so, um, so Tom, before we kind of wrap this podcast up, what 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 things are you most looking forward to about Friday? What is it that you're hoping to see, and and, and what sort of oh. thing? What would you like to see from the last nine games? Something that perhaps we haven't seen from Saints, or something just to remind you how much you love Saints. You know that that sort of thing. What what was what would you like to see in those last nine games, and what are you looking forward to seeing I, on Friday? I would like to see. I think you touched on it earlier, like a proper Ralph ball, like proper. I like it, you know, but the goal against Bristol City was great, wasn't it? Where they tried to, but the goalkeeper tried to play the ball out. Mm. I think it's Danny Ings' goal, and yeah, I'd love to see. Cause I, what I love about the 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 fact that the, the team play when it works is the absolute chaos it causes. Um, yeah, you and I for that again that Arsenal game early season, you could just see Arsenal just completely bam- like players like Louise just completely bamboozled by what to do. You know, there was like forget. So that's what I'd like to see. And I'd also like to see um the phasing out of players which I don't think have a long term future at Saints. Um, which is, you know, like your Vestigards and your booth house. Um and I'd like to see some of the some of the exciting young players come through. Yeah, I, um, I suppose kind of getting those early results is going to be the key to unlocking that. Isn't yeah. It? And what, what about you, John? What are you What are you fond of? Um, w- one of the things I'm most intrigued about is how flat I found football. Kind of the the, the stuff in Germany and Italy, and I, I want to know how much how much am I going to feel it on Friday. I'm quite intrigued. Like, I think I'm just going to be there fully, you know, adrenaline and everything. But I, I'm quite apprehensive about that. Um, something I'd really, really love to see is Che Adams get his goal because 
I think he oh, deserves yeah, it. Really I, I think he's actually played really well this season in the time that he has spent on the pitch. And I think he's got a lot of unfair attention, where, whereas I actually think, you know, he's he's been really good. Um, and again, I think he's another player, like you said about Shane Long, um, that when Shea Adams is on the pitch with Danny Ings, I think Danny Ings thinks, well, I've got a really good chance of scoring here because Shea Adams is going to create chances for me. And that is yeah. an important thing, but I would like to see him get his goal just just so he could get that get that off his back, you know. Um, and then the other thing as yeah. well, I, I guess the kind of the Ralph ball and the goal that you're talking about against Bristol City, we've seen two really wonderful goals this season. My two favourite goals this season are, and it doesn't even include the Gineppo one against Sheffield United, which was lovely, but the goal against Chelsea, you know, the multiple passes, and the goal against Tottenham. Um, at White Hart Lane in the FA Cup. Yeah, Nathan Redmond and then for Danny Ings. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think Yeah, was, two really brilliant goals. Yeah, one beautiful kind of counter-attacking play, one beautiful build-up play. And then I just, I think we're capable of that sort of stuff more now. And that's, I'd love to see another goal like that, champagne Southampton football that we can take from these next, um, you know, nine games. It, it would be a little bit of a shame for that to have been stolen from the magic of seeing something like that live. But, you know, we're all going to be stuck to the sofa for the next nine games, whether we like it or not. Um, and so it would be it would be wonderful wonderful to see another goal like that. Yeah, I agree. And I think with, with Redmond and with, you know, with Ingstead um, and Shane Long, you've got every chance there. I don't know, I'm excited a bit, John. I I'm, I'm feel galvanised now. Good. I feel good. Excellent. Well, should, should we leave it there on now, that good feeling, Tom? Yeah. Is, is that the point Let's to leave that, it? Tom. Right, okay. I think so. Leave on a high, they say. So, listeners, thank you very much for sticking with us. I think Tom and I have just about managed to muddle through this episode. Sorry that we didn't know the answer <laughs> to lots of the questions that we asked ourselves, but I think more of that will come clear on Friday. So, stick with us. I think we will be ne back next week. I think, you know. Yeah. Why not? Um, Definitely. We've had a long enough break. So, yeah, look out for that. And email us as well, saintsfcpodcast at gmail.com. Or send us a message on Twitter at saintsfcpodcast. Let us know what you think of the Premier League returning, what you think the players are going to do, what you find exciting about Friday, what you find desperately depressing, um, and what you're thinking about the, the upcoming fixtures and the rest of the season, because we want to hear from you. And give us some questions for us to think about and try and work out the answer and do better than saying, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Or give us the answers to questions yeah. that we can pretend they're our own. They can actually sound intelligent for one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually that's a better idea. Do that. <laughs> right. So, well, ladies Brilliant. and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking about the Saints again, and uh, I hope you've all enjoyed it. And oh, come on, Tom, let, let's hope we might see Saints win a game of football. You know, this this week wouldn't Sweet that be exciting? Say that. Yeah, hey, on Friday night. Right. Away, start the weekend. I've got I've got to remember which button on my machine um oh when the Saints go marching in is. So I'm, I'm gonna try this one and then I'm gonna fade out. So cheerio everyone. Goodbye. Yes, it's the right button. <laughs> <laughs>